listeners, I'm Stacey Lee Sherwood from Reality Checks with Stacey Lee coming to you on All About Animals Radio. Now, if you think animal issues are just about animals, well, no, they also involve politics and economics, so they really do affect all of us. I hope you learn a little something today, be motivated to act, and enjoy the show. Now, today's show is about saving the Hebrew wild horses in Arizona. So here's a little background about America's wild horses. And yes, we do still have some wild horses. Back in December of 1971, then-President Nixon signed into law a bill giving our free-roaming wild horses full legal protection and more than 50 million acres of public land that you all pay for. So he actually did do something good. However, that law has never been enforced, and half of their promised land has been taken away from the horses. Now, for 50 years, our wild horses have been shot, rounded up, held in filthy holding pens, much of which is not accessible to the public, and for the most part, sent to slaughter. All of this technically violates the federal law, but no one has done anything about that. To date, we only have a few thousand horses left in the wild, and we are on a fast track to remove all of them in the next year or so. So we are really at DEFCON 1 here. If we don't do something now, and I mean now, we're not going to have any wild horses left. I also want to make the point that when the bill became law, all of the wild horses living free on public land at the time were granted full legal protection. That is a really important thing to understand. It did not say anything about where or when the horses got there. They are native and they've been there a long time. So the chit chat about whether or not the wild Mustangs are native is just a distraction to pull the public's attention away from the brutal roundups and the slaughter pipeline. So when you hear or read anything about them being feral or non-native, you now know that's irrelevant to the intent of the law. So with that, I've got a fabulous woman today, Robin Crawford, and she's been spending many, many long years trying to save this unique herd in Arizona. So Robin, can you explain just a little history about the Hebrew herd? Okay, thank you, Stacey Lee. I'm gonna start um, between 1971 and, and 2002 and go through it really quickly to give you a little rundown. Um, between 71 and 2002, things are happening behind the scenes, out of the eyes of the public. Deals were made between ranchers and Forest Service to gather horses. And in 1993, Black Mesa, um, Black Mesa Ranger District was where the horses reside, their Forest Service ranger at the time, Kate Klein, sent a memo out to her then Forest Service supervisor, John Bedell, recommending that the Heber Wild Horse ter Territory be removed from the records and all animals be removed by the Arizona State Sanitary Board, which would mean go to slaughter, whatever means. That didn't go anywhere, but uh, the public land ranchers and Forest Service never let up. In 2002, the Rodeo Chetuskai fire happened, the largest fire in Arizona state history. It burned over 400,000 acres, and the wild horse territory was right in the middle of that. This gave the ranchers and Forest Service another means to jump in and try to remove the horses. On August 31st of 2005, Forest Service sent out an immediate press release. All horses on the Apache Sikris National Forest Lands were to be removed and any unclaimed horses would go to auction. 
Their reasoning behind this was that during the fire, um, the Sikri's National Forest, where the horses reside, there's a border fence between the White Mountain Apache tribe and Sikri's National Forest. Their reasoning was the fence had burned. All horses now residing in the Sikri's in 2005 were uh, unauthorized livestock. And so they were going to remove them all. Uh, this gave them another, this was a catalyst for where we are today. Uh, that happened on August 31st, 2005. On September 9th of 2005, a lawsuit was filed by individuals and a few advocate groups for a temporary restraining order and a preliminary injunction, a writ of mandamus demanding a jury trial with the United States District Court, District of Arizona. In 2007, in a court order, Forest Service agreed to restrain from any gathering of any horses within the Sikri's National Forest until they had completed with public involvement an analysis and appropriate environmental document. Please stay with me here, folks. And pursuant to NEPA, a written and a written Heber Wild Horse Management Strategy Plan. In 2008, Forest Service began and released a scoping summary with public input. Then nothing. There was nothing for like five or six years. The horses hmm. were about their business. Uh, you, nothing ever came of it. In 2014, Arizona Game and Fish stated in their lands update that Forest Service had restarted work on the Huber Wild Horse Management Plan. Nothing was made public yet, but that's how we found out about it. And that is what puts us here in 2021. That's what started the whole management plan was the court order in 07. But then everything kind of stumbled along. And we do believe that was because of lack of funding on Forest Service's part. Um, and in the meantime, the horses are living out their lives in a, in a balanced ecosystem. Um, in 2021, Forest Service did release their Heber Wild Horse Management Plan with a 30-day public comment period. And this is what it boils down to, um, because very lengthy, there's a lot of involvement in it. Um, let's see where, it all boils down to the fact that they want to leave 50 to 104 horses in the forest. They want to, PZP, the remaining 80% of the mares. The horses will be monitored by volunteers, public volunteers, along with Forest Service staff. That means that people that have no knowledge whatsoever of wild horses, or if they do, it's something they've Googled or they've just been out there maybe a year or two and, and watch what they're doing. What we are asking of and what we are trying to get done is to have the, let me see, let's go back. The Heber wild horses are the last remaining wild horse, truly wild horses in the United States that have not been legally called or PZP'd or other birth control methods used on them. They're in, in Forest Service's own aerial counts and, and, and ground counts, the, the, the numbers have remained stable. In 2008, they estimated there was three to 400 horses there. And their flyovers in 2020, there was 412 horses there. So these horses, they live in a beautiful, beautiful forest. 
um, that just the Black Mountain or Black Mesa Ranger District where they reside is over 600,000 acres of land. Hmm. So when you put 400 horses on 600, over 600,000 acres of land, what they're not going to make an impact. But not at all. Yeah, not at all. Public lands grazing does, off-road vehicle use. There is no road management plan in the Sikris National Forest. The, the influx of, of off-road vehicles in the last 10 years has made a huge detrimental impact on that forest. Um, I have multiple pictures uh, and and not to mention the cattle public lands grazing. You know, they and they say, well, they only graze for so many months out of the year, but you should see the impact they have on the area when they remove them. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. And, the, da the damage that, that livestock does. I did want to circle back and just ask you a quick question regarding that fire. Um, do we know what started the fire? Because that was a, that was a large fire, right? You said what four hundred thousand yes. acres. Can the you, can you tell, yeah? Do, you, do you, does anyone have an idea what started the fire oh, and, and how and how long it lasted? Yeah, absolutely. The um, I'm not sure the exact days that uh, that it lasted, but I think it was like 21 days. But the first okay. one, the rodeos fire, started over at the rodeo grounds up by Honda on the White Mountain Apache Reservation, and it was mm -hmm. started by a person. They so were, was arson okay yes, was that was, was it was anyone ever tried did anyone yes, ever yeah yes, okay okay so it was yeah, arson the second one the road the the cheddar sky fire was started outside of of cheddar sky also on the reservation and what happened there was some people were the, the force was shut down because mm -hmm. of the fire danger right and these people were illegally out there on off-road vehicle and the gal got lost got separated from the group so she started a fire to signal the helicopters that were flying over the news helicopters. And when they came down to see what was going on, it fanned the flames and it just took off. Well, then within days, these two fires met. Oh, and I, myself, I was evacuated for 18 days. Hebrew Overguard was evacuated for 18 days. We could not go back to our homes. Uh, it was unbelievable. My I mean, God, I was, insanity. I was over in Sholo helping to uh, evacuate an, an alpaca ranch when I got the news that Overguard was now, the fire was heading towards Overguard, and we only had an hour to get out. I mean, it was unbelievable. But there were pockets. It was an odd fire. Uh, the area, if, if you know it, is very deep canyons, lots of ponderosa pines, juniper. It's it's beautiful. So a lot of the animals are able to get down in the canyons, and, and the fire jumped. It left huge patches of beautiful, untouched forest, and then would burn, you know, other to where nothing grew back for years. It was crazy. Well, actually, it's pretty lucky, though, that they put out the fire so quickly, because as we now know, these wildfires, they'll go on for weeks, weeks and months. In yes. fact, Florida even had a couple wildfires that were tens of thousands of acres, and it went on for like several months. So 21 days was quite, it's quite interesting. I also wanted to bring home another point um, to people listening, that the Forest Service uh, is part of the USDA. Uh, Department of yeah. Agriculture. A lot of people would think logically, but you know, it comes to government, 
don't don't think logically. There's no logic to government. Um, no. That the Forest Service comes under the Department of Interior, like Fish and Wildlife, and then the Park Service and the Bureau of Land Management. No, no. For some reason, um, the Forest Service comes under the purview of Department of Ag. And if anyone is familiar with the Department of Agriculture, they view animals two ways, basically, dead now or dead in the future. I mean, uh, to put it bluntly, you know, they've got wildlife services that I think the report came out. They, they kill like two or three million native wild animals every year to make room for what we were just talking about, grazing, the, the grazing livestock, which is not native and which does destroy the public lands with the belching and the pooping and the water, they just completely destroy it. And then they chew down the vegetation and kind of leave it like a like a dust ball. Whereas the horses actually restore the balance. Yes, horses only have one stomach. Right. So any grass seeds or anything that they eat go through and re actually replant themselves. Whereas cows have multiple stomachs and what comes out is dead. And yeah, the damage they do is unbelievable. And when you go out in the forest, you can see the difference. You know, you can see where the the horse's manure, you can see the grass growing up around it and in it and through it. And it also supplements the birds. The birds come and dig through manure and they eat the seeds. I mean, there's all kind, and then they go and, and transplant it elsewhere. I mean, it's it's a whole ecosystem. And the Sikri's National Forest, these horses live in a balanced ecosystem. Right. There's apex predators. There's, you know, we have droughts. We have bad, hard winters. Um, these horses are survival of the fittest. They're absolutely magnificent. I mean, they are healthy. Um, I've seen them go through droughts that are unbelievable, you know, and you do lose them. And that's the other thing when it comes to wild, wild is wild. And you got to, you have to let them be wild. You can't administer you know, veterinary care and all that, like people would like, you have to let them be, be, you know. Yeah. Nature, nature, uh, nature had a perfect design. It's only the humans that think they think they know, <laughs> think they know exactly. best. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyone, anyone who's ever traveled out, out West and, you know, I get it. Cows have a sweet face, but they do a huge amount of huge amount of damage. I mean, I, I remember going out to Wyoming the very first time and uh, I noticed, and this was back in the 1990s, not a lot of wild horses or wild burros. Contrary to what the ranchers and the government were saying, there were very little, I, you know, I never actually saw any wild horses. And I think I saw like three burros. You know what I did see? A lot of cows. I saw a huge, huge amount of cows um, and some sheep, but mostly cows in what they call like a like a cow jam, where they literally just clog the roads and you just can't oh, get by. And, and yeah, but cat, I, I think what they call yeah. it. Um, I mean, it sounds cute and funny, but believe me, if you're sitting there for two hours, it's not uh. it's not it's not cute or funny. And if you look at um, not just pictures, but to actually be out there, it really is like when they chew everything, it's like a dust. It's like a dust ball and a healthy ecosystem. Um, for those who might be concerned about wildfires, <laughs> a healthy, balanced ecosystem is less likely to have out of control these catastrophic wildfires. Um, you're never going to prevent fires that happen naturally, of course, but a healthy ecosystem has a better way of racing it, you know, preventing it and being in balance. When the livestock comes through, they really leave everything like a drought, you know. Um, and so, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's another thing to consider too. The horses could help prevent the wildfires and obviously the live, the livestock, the livestock don't. So 
what would you say would would make this herd so so unique? You mentioned you mentioned the the, uh, the thing about PZP. Well, I think that their unique aspect that they have not been been managed by people legally. They, there is no birth control. There is no legal culling, although they did call a few uh, illegally. Um, and the and the system they live in, the balanced ecosystem they live in, is beautiful. Um, the other thing is too that the back in 1982, the National Academy of Science suggested to the Bureau of Land Management that they do a study on wild horses and burros, a seven to ten year study on a certain herd, so that they could know how to better manage them as wildlife, which is what they are. Well, that was scooted under the rug. So why not manage, why not go in and do an unbiased scientific study on the Hebrew wild horses because they are still left and they are still in their natural habitat and they are still breeding naturally and they have, you know, it, it, and it's a balanced ecosystem. There's no overpopulation. They've never proven overpopulation. In fact, BLM has, has never proven overpopulation in any herd in the United States. Their math, and if people would follow it, they say that, okay, say the, the Heber herd is 412 horses. They say that that herd will double annually. 20%. Let me see if I can, if I got this down. That doesn't even seem mathematically possible. Oh, no, listen, it, it's not <laughs> because when you do your math and then they say that um, they double annually at 20% rate of growth every four years. If this were true, there would be 4,800 Heber wild horses in the Sickers National Forest. Yeah, that I mean, not not only is that not biologically true, it is never excuse me, it has never actually been proven by the government. They just throw these numbers no, out and, and figure right they throw out there, and people believe it. It's and like, people believe them, right? Wow. There would be yeah, there'd be forty eight hundred Heber wild horses out there when there's only four hundred. Their estimate right. is around four hundred. Right, and and clearly that uh, since since this uh, herd has been has a lot of eyes on it, there obviously self-sustaining. And so that in and of itself is proof that none of the numbers that the government throws out um, are credible when they say that, oh, they're you know overpopulated and they're going to double when people have been watching this herd for 20, 30 years. And that has never been the case. In fact, it sounds like the numbers have pretty much fallen within the same four, 400, you know, 420, give or take, for yeah. decades, so clearly that's proof that it's self it's self sustaining. So who? How would we get this herd um, into a a herd a herd study? Well, what we're asking people to do is to call or write Tom Valsack's office. Um, we can put up if if you go to our Facebook page. We are the Heber Wild Horse Freedom Preservation Alliance. We are. A, we are not a nonprofit. We are not a 5013C, so we take no donations. All we do is try to educate the public. We've been on Facebook since 2014, but we've been at this since 2005. And I actually started with the herd, watching the herd back in 1998. Wow. Yeah. So um, it, uh, our Facebook page, the Heber Wild Horses, it's got the Arizona flag with a silhouette. 
Um, there's all the information on there if people want to go and see, or you can write your own congressman, your own state representative, ask him or her to contact Tom Valsack's office and ask that the Heber herd be made a study herd. Um, You've also, you've also got that website with the history of the herd and wonderful pictures, mm -hmm. which is what? www.heberwildhorses.com. Right? Com. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And our Facebook page, we are doing uh, Chronicles right now. We started at Chronicle 1, I think, for up to Chronicle 14, which also gives a real quick rundown of everything that's happened over the years. It's pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. And there's some beautiful pictures in it, too. If there was one thing, Robin, that would be like the most important piece of information that you would want people to take away from this, what would that be? This isn't, these horses are national treasure. They're it. I mean, when they're gone, it's gone. Yeah, they so, are it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're it. And who, you know, we should be trying to preserve this instead of just letting it stumble along like the rest of the herds and, and end up being destroyed. So I think that, you know, as, as Americans, we need to stand up for them. They're part of history. I mean, General Crook came through there. Father Kino came through there. Coronado came through there. All these horses are descendants from, you know, four or five hundred years ago. Why would we they help make America what it is today? I know when and when you think of when you think of the West, um, you really get really just one kind of image, which is a cowboy on a on a horse, right? Or Native Americans yeah. on a horse. But it's always it's always a horse um in the wild, usually like on top of a cliff or a mountain. And you know, certain things just happen. Um, but What's really amazing and, and it's just it's just amazing. This has been going on for 50 years. And despite all the quote media attention, uh, the media is has gotten it wrong pretty much all 50 years. Is that these yeah. horses, aside from obviously being native and here a long time, were were granted full legal protection. And that law has never, ever been enforced. And on top of that. We know for a fact, and it's been well documented, people have even you know been arrested and fired, that these horses almost all go to slaughter. There's only a very small percentage, right, that get that get adopted. They well, get put off under, the range and then they kind of disappear. Yeah. And when they're under forest service, it's a little different than BLM because right. forest service they do go to auction right. and they go to the highest bet and it doesn't matter. And most of them do go to slaughter. Yeah. People don't realize that. I mean, they, they don't want to think about it, I guess. No, they see. Pretty. Yeah, they see a couple of pictures of, you know, three or four horses getting adopted. Um, and also the whole the, the whole thing with the adoption is just is just insane. Um, the Bureau of Land Management had a couple of adoptions, which were, I'll just say comical, for lack of a better word, where you had a couple of <clears throat> newly formed nonprofits and they spent $14,000 on one horse and another 10,000 on another horse. Now keep in mind for all these years, because ever since 71, actually before, before 1971, the horses would, would be rounded up and absolutely and, and, and auctioned off though. The, the vast majority of horses would be bought by what we call kill buyers and then, oh. and then go to slaughter. That's, and that still goes on today. Openly, oh, openly, absolutely. openly, absolutely. But yeah. the new thing is the last, I don't know, three or four years or whatever, 
um, the outrageous amount of money that some of these nonprofits are paying for like one or two horses. And keep in mind that these horses, right, um, normally would sell for anywhere depending upon the age and other variables, like a hundred bucks to maybe up to a thousand if it was like I some know. gorgeous, you know, stallion or whatever. But usually we're talking four or five hundred dollars, right? And all of a sudden you've got these BLM auctions and it's like ten, fifteen thousand dollars. Think how many horses you could, you know, you could have bought instead. So a lot of the nonprofits are are part of the problem too. So they're not really helping in this this is just like a cycle that started years ago and we can't seem to quite quite get yeah, off it but a lot of these nonprofits are willing to compromise these yeah. herds to get the pcp contracts you know and it's like pardon me, you know why are we not working together to save the horses instead of uh just trying to to save a few so we can keep that contract going Exactly. And and actually, that also is taxpayer money. So the taxpayer is, I mean, the taxpayer has like no idea that this is going on. So the taxpayer pays taxes to keep the quote public land, but they don't really have access to it. And they have no, they're never included in any of the decisions being made on management. And then the taxpayer pays for all these holding facilities, many of which are private. Um, but even the public ones, you barely barely get access to right and then for the roundups right right they pay right they pay they pay for the roundups and and Mm -hmm. all of the companies that are involved in the roundups are millionaires multiple times over um and then the pcp grants the taxpayer pays for for that so the taxpayer pays for all of this hundreds of millions of dollars um and they're not they're not in you know they're not involved at all and i think most people if they knew the truth that was going on which is not reported in the media accurately would be ashamed and disgusted and appalled i'll just go on record and and say that um most people like east of kansas really have no clue that we still have wild horses you know they see the race horses the barn horses but they don't know that we still have the wild horses yeah. and, and it, it, like- it really is defcon one it's it's really yeah. this year or next year and that's i think that's going to yeah, be we it have the, the, the plan will be their final plan will be they say october of this year of this year and okay. that's it and it will be immediate implementation Right. So we need to get the word out. Tom Valsack, uh, he's the secretary of, what is he, secretary of agriculture? Agriculture. Yeah, yeah he's the, he's the ag so, secretary. You know, and I, I, I was thinking, you know, why not contact him? Contact him, definitely, his office, because we've been bombarding him. And then if you can get a hold of your own representatives and have them contact his office, ask him, please, send an email. Um but if you go to those pages, order our website, we have all the, we even have the talking points. So you don't even have to come up with anything. Right. You make it very easy. It's and in, anybody can do this. You don't have to be a resident of Arizona because oh, no. these are national animals with, with federal oh. protection. So it doesn't matter if you're in New Jersey. It doesn't matter if you're in Washington. Oh. It doesn't matter if you're in Ohio. They belong to all Americans. So if you if you call your congressman or your senator and they tell you it's whatever, it's a local issue, it is not. No, it is it a is federal not. issue. Yeah, they are on National Forest Service land, which is our land, folks. It's our land. We pay these people to manage it. 
We so. also we also don't want um, any involvement with PZP or Gonicon, which is actually what the government also. And that's actually a, a sterilant that that they uh, that's like the preferred method. When we want them to be uh, a herd study, uh, a study herd, we want them to be studied as they are, just living wild oh, and absolutely. undisturbed. Yeah, we don't yeah. we don't we don't want them studied being shut up with PZP or Gonicon or have the ovary removed or any kind of experimentation whatsoever. Wow. Because the moment you do that, they're not they're not natural. They're not, they're not you know, and then, yeah, they're not wild in the natural state no. anymore. And all these other herds out there, like I said, the Hebers are it. They're the last. The rest of these herds are they leave a few, they're PZP'd. And when you stick a human that is deciding who breeds, who stays, who goes to auction, you're looking, that's that's a breeding, that's a domesticated breeding situation. Yeah. With untamed horses, actually. They're no longer wild. Humans are deciding who gets to breed. And uh, you know, that's for nature to decide. And that's what that's what's been going on with the Hebers for hundreds of years. They're awesome. They are. They are. So with so with that, I'm gonna leave leave that here. So again, uh, if you are on Facebook, just look them up. They're uh, www.facebook.com slash Heber Wild Horses. And uh, if you are not on Facebook, you can look them up on their website, www.heberwildhorses.com. So please help by being a voice for the Heber herd because it's down to us. If we can't save this herd, nobody can. And like I said, we are at the, the very end here with the wild horses. We only have a few left. Don't believe we don't have 80,000. They're not overpopulated. They don't damage the environment it's just the opposite it's just the opposite um and this horse in this herd in particular is very unique so we really um and we could learn a lot from them you know um the difference between this herd and the herds like on the virginia range which have been shot up with all kinds of drugs is that the difference between studying zoo animals and animals in the wild what animals do in captivity or once they've been shot up with drugs or or even you know around humans and they, and they become kind of familiar they're no longer wild and so all of their behavior and health issues is tainted data so that's not even like credible scientific data here you have something perfect that we really need to we really need to save so with that i hope everybody is uh, motivated to to make a phone call um, and try to save this, try to save this herd. So I hope you've enjoyed the show and I hope you tune in next time. I cover many different topics. So there's a little something for everybody. I also want to encourage people to check out some of the other podcasts on all about animals radio, because they have some terrific shows that you will also find interesting and have a good night. <laughs>